Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What's shaking, Logan? I am fired up. You almost said Daniel, but no, no, you, no, you no, caught no. it. There you was a dramatic it. pause there for the audience. <laughs> they were going to be like, wait, what? Yeah, no, I'm doing great, man. I am fired up. I have a volleyball tournament tonight, sand volleyball. Sand volleyball tournament. sand volleyball tournament tonight, and we're going to win. Oh, done deal. Yeah. And you're a baller, because people don't know is you're like 6'9". Being 6'4 does help. It does help. uh, You can spike the ball. You set the ball. How are you with team camaraderie? Are you that guy that's like, let's go, let's go, or do you just kind of stay in your lane and don't say much? Or so what? it's hard because if I'm with my friends, definitely. Like if I'm with people I know, like that's me. Oh, for but sure. you don't. It, but when I'm with people that I like don't know at all, it's a little bit toned down, but I'm super competitive. Pretty boy, I'll be teeing up on you, baby. You, you ain't going to be able to deal with that. Bring it on, bad boy. So I'll, like, I'll get into good. it for sure. Well, I'll get into it. I know that uh, I've watched you play before. I had every intention of coming tonight. My son has a high school swim meet, which wow. until five hours ago, I didn't know he swam for the high school team. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. People are like, wait a second, what? But he's a club, year-round club swimmer. And apparently, as a year-round club swimmer, you can, like, show up to the high school meet. So I in the car this morning, I was like, he's like, you coming to my meet tonight? And I was like, well, yes, I am. And what, what meet are we talking about? And so he told me, and I said, okay. And I said, well, why are you doing that? He goes, Dad, I'm going to crush it tonight. And I was like, okay, all right. So I think this is more of a confidence booster, you know, just kind of get in the pool with other high schoolers and just crush it. He's a very good swimmer. So So like club for for swimming is like, that's the real deal. That's what you do. Yeah. So most of the times when you're watching like the Olympic qualifiers, the the swimmers that are swimming in that, they will tell you the club they swim for. They, They typically, that's a year round thing. It's kind of like all a lot of things, you know, AAU basketball is definitely bigger than high school basketball Mm -hmm. and travel baseball is bigger now than high school baseball. I mean, kids still play those sports in their high school, but not nearly getting the attention that they get on the, on the road, if you will. It's amazing that what's going on with youth sports today. Well, he's going to kill it and we're going to kill it tonight. Boom. There you go. Oh, if if you're not watching YouTube, we had a little, with a little fist pump there. Uh, I finished New York City Marathon. Yeah, tell us more about that. That was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Bucket list, you know, I'll tell you, if you've ever watched the New York City or any big marathon on television, they strap a camera to a car that's going like whatever, 20 miles an hour, and they're following the three Kenyans that are winning. And so you have no basic understanding. You're laughing. That's not, come on. It's truth, right? I mean, the the Kenyans swept like the New York City Marathon this year. So... That, that you don't get perspective of of what's happening outside of the three people who are flying down the road at you on the camera. Literally every single street, every single mile in New York was lined with people. They are cheering you on like you're at the finish line. You might be at mile two. 
they're going berserk. I mean, bonkers. And so it is, I mean, you get to a point after like two hours, I had to, I had to kind of stop being like high-fiving everybody and running. Yeah, woo! I mean, it was crazy because that's just how hype they are. Yeah. And it was very, I got emotional a few times. Uh, you think about the city was shut down last year. They didn't have it. You know, you, you, we ran by fire stations where the trucks are out and the guys are up. So you're thinking about 9-11. I mean, it was an unbelievable experience. As far as running goes, I was solid for 18 miles. What happened after 18 miles? Oh, I experienced Crampville. I mean, I started getting cramps in my hamstrings. It was very difficult. I had to do everything from, you know, suck down pickle juice to every medic station. I was grabbing a couple salt, you know, like the little salt packets, shoving them in my mouth. I mean, it was crazy. If I don't see another salt packet in my life, I'll be okay. But I finished uh, 423, not nearly. I was trying to shoot for the four mark. 423, I was happy with it. And a nice, uh, you know, sets the tone for doing it again and breaking four. So you you are going to do it again. I will do I will do that again. I don't know if it'll be next year, but I will absolutely do that again. And how have you felt the five days? I have not been able to walk until today. It's been absolutely rough. And like, yeah, I won't go into further details, but it's rough. (laughs) But I'm getting better. All right, we got to get to our question. We got a great question today from somebody who I don't Caroline. Caroline. Caroline is a good question. These actually the the question we I brought out today. Is fascinating for a variety of reasons, but we'll get to that. Caroline, what do you got? DIY! Hi, DIY. My name is Caroline. I'm coming from Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm wondering how many index and mutual funds should I have? I'm wondering how many is too many to invest in monthly. I have two money market mutual funds at Vanguard and one index fund, the SP 500, and I'm careful to diversify and allocate funds to meet my needs. However, I don't know if I need different accounts to make a good portfolio. Thanks. Okay. Um, couple of things, Caroline. The question began asking about how many index funds are too many uh, or what's the right amount or something along those lines. And then kind of ended with, do I need different accounts? So why this question is interesting to me is I'm going to focus a little bit on each, but Many people have this idea that when they open their statement, the number of investments that they have correlates with how diversified they might be. Let me say that again. The number of things that you're in, I'm going to put it very simple, would align with or match up with how diversified you are. That couldn't be further from the truth. Why do I say that? Because you theoretically could be as diversified as you need to be owning one index fund. That's it. I could actually make a case that you owning the S&P 500 index fund are by far as diversified as you need to be for the rest of your life. You'd be like, Quint, how could you say that? Well, let me, let me go into it. The S&P 500 is 11 sectors, 11 different industries, everything from real estate, energy, basic materials, consumer staples, consumer discretionaries, financials, technology, healthcare, utilities. Oh, I'm pretty darn close. Telecommunications. Well, it's now called communications. That's all 11 sectors. That's pretty darn good. So you have a vast array of different industries in uh, the stock market that you're exposed to by owning the S&P 500. Oh, but Quint, what about international? 
glad you asked. Something like 60% of the revenue of all of those companies that you own come from international markets. So the interesting thing is, in the past, when we were really focused, I mean, past being like 30 years ago, when companies were primarily isolated to the United States, you had to go into international funds to get international exposure. I could make the case now that you are experiencing significant international exposure within the S&P 500. Now, that being said, there are some flaws. The flaw, primary flaw in the S&P 500 is it's called a market cap weighted index, which means the bigger the stock, the more weight it carries in your portfolio. Why don't I like that? Because it tends to favor the stocks that are doing good at the moment. Yes, everybody's happy the market's going higher. And if you own the S&P 500, you're making a lot of money. But you're also heavily invested in stocks like Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon. That's great now, but what happens if the tide turns? The second thing is that I do like to have some direct international, or more importantly, in my opinion, emerging market exposure. So I'm going to sum this all up. And in my opinion, I'd love to hear what Logan has to say, because I know he's diversifying a little bit differently. I saw some of your buys today, by the way, Berkshire Hathaway. But anyways, uh, not a recommendation, but Logan will talk about that. But I do like rounding that out to actually three. I personally would, would like three. I would like the S&P 500. I would like some sort of international index and then some sort of emerging market index. Now, for basic understanding, international is basically going to be Europe and emerging markets is basically going to be China. There's a lot of other countries in the mix there, but those are the heavily weighted areas. Now, I would also, and this isn't a recommendation, but when I sit with people, I say, look, heavily favor the U.S., maybe 70%, and then take 15 in emerging and 15 in international. Okay. Other side of the coin is you could buy a target date fund and let them allocate that for you. Okay. Finally, you said, how many accounts are too many, et cetera? And I think I'll let Logan touch on that one. But anyways, what are your thoughts on the index funds, the cetera, blah, 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 diversification, and then the number of accounts? Yeah. So to speak a little bit more on what you were saying about what I have and what I'm currently doing, I have 401k that is with us at Jewel, uh, separate in the company plan. And that's just diversified into a target date fund. I have one fund that I invest in. It's a target date fund. It's the longest time horizon possible. But it's 2065. 2065 yeah. target date fund. And it's just invested in that. And I don't worry about it. I just let it do its thing. I have a small amount of money, so it's not it's not large. And it's something that I will diversify more in the future. But as I've started out, I have simply gone into, not a recommendation, Berkshire and the SPY. S&P 500. 500. Yeah. yeah. Now, I've why gone... are why those two? So Berkshire is a diversified fund that buys several different companies, has stakes in those companies, and it's good tax advantaged account. So why? Because they're not sending out distributions to you. So dividends. Dividends. Exactly. So the company is not sending me out dividends that I'm going to have to get a tax form at the end of the year and pay taxes on that. S&P 500, I just wanted exposure to all the things that you mentioned. Uh, 11 different sectors, as uh, as well as some of those big growth names that have done so well recently. So I only need those two funds as of right now. As I get more money, and what I do is I literally DCA every single month, I put a little bit of money that I have left over, my margin, I put that into that account, and I buy a little bit more each month. 
just very simple. But as that account grows, I want to diversify and and add some international exposure, some emerging exposure as well. In addition to the international emerging that you'd have, say, in your 401k with the target date fund. Exactly. There certainly is some international and emerging market exposure there. Now, what about the number of accounts? So you're getting started in the investment world. You're heading down this path. How many accounts do you have? So I currently only have two. I have a retirement account and my 401k is currently the Roth portion. So I think it's beneficial to utilize a Roth portion, especially when you're in a lower income level than hopefully I will be at in the future. So I have my Roth 401k saving for retirement, and then I have an individual account, just an individual taxable investing account that I do my my spy in my Berkshire. And when you say spy, by the way, that's just an acronym yeah. for SPY, which is the ETF tracks the S&P 500. Now, um, why don't you have a Roth IRA? So currently, I don't have a Roth IRA just because I'm already contributing some retirement funds and my goals are different. So right now, my goal is to be able to use the money that I'm putting into my taxable account for a home purchase in the near future. So within the next six years, I want to be able to purchase a home. I will take risk off of that account as I get closer to that goal, but I don't want to put that money into a retirement account that I can't get that money out until 59 and a half. There you go. And he's out of that two to five year window, the two to five year window, which we don't necessarily like taking risk if you're going to turn around and use that money. So I think Logan did a really nice job to talk about and, and kind of going down this path a little bit, Caroline, is that you know the number of accounts are going to purely correlate with what your goals and objectives are. So you might have a retirement account, an individual account, and a Roth IRA. You might have a retirement account, you know, two custodial accounts. If you well, you don't have kids. Well, I don't know. You may have kids. You didn't say that, but you know, if you have kids, you might have uh, you know an individual account, uh, whatever. I mean, you can have a number of different accounts, but ideally, just don't lose sight of the fact that within those accounts, they could all be managed the same. You know, mm-hmm. you could have the same funds in every account. You could have those three investment accounts and or one target date fund or something along those lines in those individual accounts as well. So. I, I think the, the crux of it is, and, and I believe that in the beginning of your question, you were asking about the number of index funds, and that's what you mentioned, the S&P 500. If, if you wanted to just keep it simple and stick with that, stick with that. I mean, ultimately, again, you're going to have your kind of in international exposure. You're going to have the 11 sectors. You're going to be exposed to the market, which is going to expand as the economy expands. It's going to go out through, through ups and downs. And when it goes down, you're going to continue to dollar cost average and, and buy into that and buy when, when prices are cheaper and things are on sale. So I think you're doing a great, great job. You're going to inevitably run across people who are going to go, oh, you're not very well diversified. And you're going to go, what are you talking about? Do you know how many sectors in the S&P? And they're going to be like, uh, and you're going to go, there's 11. Do you know how much international exposure I have? They're going to go, uh, you're going to be like over 60% of the revenue. And they're going to just. That's really impressive. Whoa. Whoa. Just. Whoa. Bravo. Wow. You are very well diversified inside the S&P 500. And if you just wanted to add some additional, maybe look at international and and emerging markets. Yeah. Great question. And oh, by the way, I visited Salt Lake City this past uh, May. Loved it. It was awesome. Never been there. What's what's special about it? What what, what made it special? Oh, we don't have a lot of time, but it's just glorious. It's in uh, you know, kind of a surrounded by a mountainous region. Um, Caroline will know this. We actually rented these ATV vehicles and we went literally drove over this mountain one day and into this town and had lunch and then drove back over the mountain. It was absolutely amazing. 
Um, it's kind of the it was settled by Mormons. So if you're not familiar with the Mormon religion, uh, that's a fascinating world. I grew up near a little place in upstate New York called Palmyra, New York. For all the Mormons listening, you'll know exactly where Palmyra is. Hill Camorra, Joseph Smith, gold tablets, yada yada. Anyways, fascinating world. So a very, very good friend of mine is out in Salt Lake okay. that we went out and visited and did some amazing things out there. However, big disappointment, uh, don't go try to see Salt Lake because that's not really great. Okay. We drove, I was like, I want to see Salt Lake. And we drove all the way out and it was like a puddle. <laughs> Maybe we didn't go to the real Salt Lake. I don't know. It just seemed weird. It wasn't even a tourist attraction. Whatever. Let's wrap this sucker up. All right. Remember, friends, secret to wealth. It's pretty darn simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decisions, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.